Hello, everybody. This is Parashas, Parashas Vayechi. And the parasha begins with Yosef bringing his children to Yaakov to get a bracha. And it's an interesting pasuk. Yosef brings his children to the room. The pasuk says, Vayar Yisrael has been a Yosef. Yisrael sees the sons of Yosef. Vayemer, and he says, Mi Ela, who are these? Vayemer, Yosef, Yosef responds. He says, Bonai these are my sons. Asher Nosan Li Elekim Bazet. That Hashem has given me in this. So, what is going on over here? What's this? Who are these? Give me with this. So Rashi explains as follows. Rashi says that Yaakov felt the Shekhinah leave him when Yosef comes in with his two children. And Yaakov gets afraid. Maybe there's something off with these kids. Maybe there's a reason why the is leaving me now. Maybe they're not worthy for a blessing. And Yosef tells him, don't worry. There's nothing wrong with these kids. And he shows him Bazet with this. He shows him, says Rashi, his star Arison, his document of getting engaged and his star ksuba, and his ksuba. Now, the question is, if Yaakov was concerned that maybe Yosef married uh, an, an improper woman, maybe Yosef, you know, something else is going on with these kids, what is Yosef kind of appeasing him by showing him his star of engagement and his star ksuba? How does that appease Yaakov? How is that supposed to be something that, you know, what is, what, you can write a ksuba for a woman who's improper also. You can write a erisim for a woman who's not the right woman either. What is Yosef showing Yaakov? And I heard once from Marlon Lepiansky, he said a beautiful idea. He said, the idea that Klai Yisrael has of having engagement, of having erison, of having aksuba, is to show and to create and to establish that a Jewish marriage is not a fling of passion, it's not an act of lust, it's something that was premeditated, there is an engagement period, there's a time when people commit to each other, they think it through, they plan, they want to build something big, they commit to each other, they have a ksuba, there's commitments, there's obligations to each other. It's an entirely different thing going on over here. When a person gets married in the proper Jewish way, with a ksuba and with erison, they're going into something to build something, to, to a committed relationship where they're taking care of other people and they're looking to build something bigger together as a union. Such a marriage produces a whole different type of children. It produces something else entirely. And that's what Yosef was showing Yaakov. Asher nasan li elikim bazeh. These are the children our Kaj Baruch gave me with this, with a marriage that was built on the right foundations and built with the right things. And that's something we have to appreciate and recognize that what a Jewish marriage is. It's an entirely different thing. It's something which is built on commitment, built on responsibility and appreciation for somebody else, and it creates a whole different result. When the Chavetz Chaim put out his Sefer on Shmir Salashin, so somebody took the Sefer and brought it to one of the G'daylim at the time to get a approbation, to get a Haskam on the Sefer. And the Gadol had looked through it. He said, it's very good. It's very impressive that he's, you know, making a Sefer to really inspire people to watch their tongue and not hurt people. But he really should have written a Sefer on watching your nose. Shmir Ha'af. That was what the Gadol said. So the person came back to Chavetz Chaim and he told the Chavetz Chaim, I don't know what this means. He said you should have made a safer about guarding your nose. Chavz Chaim smiled. He said he's right. Chavz Chaim explained what this gadol meant was that sometimes you don't have to say anything. You just have to wrinkle your nose about somebody and you can already kill him with just that. And he said, it's a pasuk in the sixth parasha. It says by Shimon and Levi, ba'apam harguish. With their af, with their nose, they killed the man. That was his drash on the pasuk. And he says, Chavz Chaim, I'll tell you, they bring a story where Chavetz Chaim explained that this idea 
So he was once, Chavaz Chaim was once traveling with another Gadol, and they had to stay over in an inn. When they got to the inn, so the innkeeper, the, she brought them food, and they tried the food, it was very good. She asked him, how was the food? Chavaz Chaim says, delicious. The other person says, great, excuse a little more salt. Fine. So the, the innkeeper left, and Chavaz Chaim started yelling at the guys, like, what are you doing? How could you say that? How could you say that? Like, what do you mean? I just said it needs a little more salt. You agree it needs a little more salt. It didn't have salt, that's it. I just said it was all. Chavaz Chaim said, are you serious? Do you realize she doesn't make the food? She has some lady making the food, cooking downstairs. Who cooks food in the inn? A lady who's poor. Who's poor? She's probably not money or something. She's going to come there. She's going to tell her, why didn't you make the food? You embarrass me. These rabbis are here. How could you? And the lady's going to lie and say, I did put salt. And they're going to get into a fight. She might even lose her job. All because you couldn't keep your mouth shut without saying you never have salt. And this job was like, I hear I think you're getting a little overexcited. You know what I mean? I just said it doesn't have a salt. You made a whole assumption. Because I said, look, come, let's go. He took this gadol downstairs. They went down to the basement of the inn. And sure enough, there was a woman there crying. She just lost her job. And the innkeeper was screaming at her. So eventually they calmed her down. They tried making shalom. The Chavaz Chaim said that a person always has to recognize that little comments, little things, a person has to try to think it through. He never knows what effect it could have on somebody else. You never know how far-reaching the consequences could be. Yaakov rebukes Shimon and Levi, and he says that your anger is or apam ki oz, their anger is a curse, it's too strong. And Yaakov, so to speak, punishes them more. He says, this is what I'm going to do with you too. Achalkin be Yaakov, I'll spread you out amongst Yaakov. Afitzim be Yisrael, I'll disperse you amongst Kal Yisrael. Which Rashi explains, you know, Sheva Levi didn't have its own portion. They all lived in different towns throughout Eretz Yisrael. And Shimon, says Rashi, in order to disperse him, Shimon... All the people of Shimon, they were usually teachers. They were Malamdi Tanekis, they were Rabbeim. And that's how he kind of made them live in different places they can go teach. So Rachel Belsky, in his Sefer on Chumash, he asks the obvious question, if you have a fellow who has an anger issue, he has a problem controlling himself, so where do you put him? What kind of job do you give him? So number one, I wouldn't think of giving him a job as a teacher with little children. That's probably the last place you want such a person. So why is Yaakov saying, I'll make you Seemingly, anything else would be better than that. So he explains, we know Shimon and Levi are called Achi Dina. They're known as, a, as the brothers of Dina. Why, says Rasha? Because they are the ones who risked their lives for Dina. Everyone else saw the tragedy that happened to Dina, and they were upset, they were this, but Shimon and Levi actually went and risked their lives to do something for him. Shimon and Levi have a Mida, they have a kayak, they have a talent, it's called a, a, a natural tendency to take other people's problems personally. It bothers them and it bothers them a lot and they get into it and they get upset. Now, that's a wonderful Mida. It's an amazing Mida. It's something that a Rebbe has to have. He has to be willing to take care of his Tamidim, to feel for them, to get involved in their lives. Now, you don't want people who are like that all living in one place because it can get a little much. If everyone's getting involved in everyone else's life constantly, it can get a little explosive. But as a thing in its own right, as a midah, it's a good midah. That's why Yaakov says, let's take this midah and let's spread it out amongst Chayiso so there'll be one person in every place who has this midah to feel for others and take care of them and get involved in their problems. When it comes to the brachas of the Shvatim, it seems you go through the psukim and it all seems to be they're all going based on their order, how they were born. Except when you come to Yisachar and Zvulun, it's out of order. Zvulun goes before Yisachar. And we all know that Rashi tells us that Zvulun and Yisachar made a deal. Zvulun would be the one doing business. He would go out traveling, doing 
um, trade, and he would support his brother Yisachar in his learning. So the question is, why would Zavulun be before Yisachar? A, Yisachar is older, and B, seemingly Yisachar, who is learning, should be the one going before Zavulun. So I heard two answers given to this question. One answer I heard was said by Baron Cutler. Baron Cutler was asked this question once by a parlor meeting. People asked him this question, why is Zavulun going before Yisachar? I get it that maybe they're equal because they're sharing everything, but why does Zavulun go first? So Baron Cutler said that Yisachar, he kind of gets the better end of the deal. He gets to have the Parnassah, and he also gets to enjoy this world. He's sitting there, he's learning, he's, he's spiritually infused. He's, he's having such a geschmack in Olam Haza, while poor Zvulun, he's stressing out, he's sweating, he's traveling. So we're nice to Zvulun, and we give him, we put him first. That was our Byron Cutler's pshat. I saw another pshat in the Chavz Chaim and he says, the Pasuk says, Im tivakshenek hakesef, a person wants Torah like money, like kesef, like silver. Like diamonds and precious gems. He will chase after, he'll look for it. Then then he will truly understand and the knowledge of HaKash Baruch he will find. means the Pasuk is telling us that if a person chases after Tyra, if a person chases after Yeras Hashem, the same way people chase after money, with that same ambition, that same drive, then a person truly can conquer Tyra. Yisachar needs a role model. Yisachar needs to see Zvulun waking up early in the morning, staying up late at night, killing himself to make that extra buck. And if Yisachar sees that, and Yisachar applies that to his Tyra, then Yisachar will truly be zeichet to the Uz Tov and Yiras Hashem and Dasalikim Timsa. If a person gets as excited when someone sends him a new shear or a new Torah thought as he does when he finds out Dan's deal has a sale on something he's looking for, then a person will truly be zeichet to make that Torah a part of himself. Yaakov, when he mentions the bracha of Yisachar, he says, Yar Menucha Kitaiv. Yisachar sees Menucha, he sees rest. He tell you for it is good, it's a good thing. And the land that is pleasant. And he goes and he bends his shikma, his shoulder, Lisbel, to endure and to pick up a load. And the question is obvious if he sees that menucha, that rest, is pleasant, why is he bending down to endure? Why is he bending his shoulder to lift up a load? It seems the opposite. So the Chazanish and others, they translate the Pasuk to say, despite the fact that he recognizes that. Menucha is pleasant, he still is willing to endure because he appreciates how much Torah can do for you, etc. But the Das Torah, Rechem Levavitz, he explains it in a whole different way. He says, it's a mistake. People think that the way they get Menucha, that the way they can get real peace is they go to a, you know, they go to Aruba, they sit on a beach, and they get a nice shady spot, and then finally they'll be at peace. If they could just go there and their parents will watch the kids, and they could finally just to get there, and then they'll be at peace. Then they'll have Menucha. But the problem is, even when they get to Aruba, the sun's going to be too hot. There's going to be mosquitoes. And they're going to get all broken down again. If a person keeps looking for Menucha by getting rid of the things that, that, that bother him, then he's never really going to have Menucha. He's never going to be able to really be at rest or be at peace because he's constantly being he's so easily distracted, so easily thrown off course. Yisachar sees that Menucha is Tayyip. Yisachar understands that he needs to have Menucha to 
to learn Torah, to grow spiritually. He needs to be at peace. So what does he do? He bends his shoulder to endure. He builds himself up to be a person who things don't bother him. Things don't faze him. He can endure anything. Then he can truly get to Menucha. Then he can truly get to a point where he's always at peace and he can always be ready to learn and always ready to grow. Baruch you all have a wonderful Shabbos, which will all be zeichet to true Menucha and to truly be able to grow close to the Baruch Hu.